It's ball talk. It's ball talk, baby. 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 Hello and welcome to the Ball Talk Podcast. It is currently 9.08 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Monday, April 26th, 2021. I'm I'm your host, John Sock, and as always, I'm joined by my main man, Chaz Jurgens. Chaz, how are you doing tonight? You know who it is. I'm doing well. You know, I'm saying watching a lot of ball recently. There's been many, many games. You know, the NBA filled up the second half of the schedule. So getting to sit in front of the TV and just watch ball from 1 p.m. until the end of the day is is a nice luxury to live on the weekend. Definitely agree. I spent all of Saturday uh, Saturday in my house and I got to watch some great games. Uh, The issue issue for me is I'm one of the people, I can't tell you what day I watched a game. (laughs) I can't tell you what day I watched a game. And the fact that there were two... Memphis Portland games and they were both pretty awesome. I yeah. Nope. No clue. No clue. They could have both been. They could have been a doubleheader for all I know. <laughs> could have been a baseball style doubleheader. They had the same refs too. Like I, I could not tell you what day it was that I watched those games, but I mm. did watch them and they were both awesome. And I'm gonna talk about them 100. Mm-hmm. percent Let's let's kick it off with some news. Happy 50th episode. Much to all the people them for supporting us through this insane journey. Uh, here's to five thousand more, Chaz. There's mm-hmm. no one I would rather be doing it with, man. Love forever, man. Oh, love you too, baby. All right. And now that we just got the happiness, let's let's do let's do sad news. Um, one of the best in the business, probably my personal favorite writer, podcaster, just analyst in general. Jonathan Charks has announced that he's battling stage four cancer. I just wanted to send thoughts and prayers his way before we jump in. He's a really great guy. I, I he's he he spoke to me on the phone, a couple in late February, and it really made my entire life. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, I've been reading his stuff for years, and just it's 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 horrible. And I hope that he recovers. Uh, it, to our episode <laughs> in today's episode, we're gonna go back out west where a Portland cold streak has made the conference exciting again. I, I'm gonna say it. I we've talked about. I love the play-in. I love mm. the play-in. Mm-hmm. Like, the more I think about it, the more I love it. It's so much fun right now. I love this league. I love the NBA, and I love basketball. Shout out to Metal World Peace. Let's, Shout out. Let, awesome. Let's let's kick. Let's start this conversation by kicking people out of it. We're gonna be talking about the play-in game. Let's kick out the people that we know will not be in it, or put the qualifiers for how they could get into it, yada, 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 all that stuff. Agreed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's get it going. Perfect. Let's start with the Nuggets and the Lakers then. The Nuggets have three guards. The Nuggets have three guards right now. out right now. Jamal Murray, Monte Morris, and Will Barton. Mm-hmm. There are also four games up on the Lakers who are only now getting healthy and might have LeBron James next week. Frank Vogel loves experimenting with lineups. We saw a game where Harold didn't play. Like... Frank Vogel just likes messing around a little bit. I'm imagining mm. neither team moves in all likelihood. Like, maybe the Lakers will fall to six, but they're three games up. I have to say three games up on the Trailblazers, which means that's old notes. What they actually are is uh, a game and a half up on the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is much closer than when I started these notes. <laughs> I, I still think the Lakers will probably hold the five, but I wouldn't be surprised if they fall to six. Mm-hmm. One and a half games up on on the Mavericks. When they get LeBron back, I kind of expect them to just go on a crazy run. 
like an unbeaten streak going into the playoffs and then I get to make a LeBron MVP case again and I really need that because the media is making me so angry with mm. with their Joel Embiid for MVP but 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 no talk about LeBron no talk about LeBron none no it, it it's crazy to me but I'm not going to get into that so those mm. are the first two teams that we're going to eliminate from this discussion the third team I want to eliminate and I'm hoping this is going to be quick. The 11-seeded Pelicans are right now eight games below .500. Mm-hmm. And the 10-seeded Spurs are .500. Yep. I'm pretty sure the Spurs have the tiebreaker, too. To add to it, the only team that they that the Pelicans play the rest of the way that isn't fighting for seeding is the OKC Thunder. That, that's literally... I'll put it out there. That's worse than playing one-seeds because one-seeds might not be fighting for seeding. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn Nets, I think, are two games up on Philly or something like that. The... the they're, they're a game and a half up on Philly right now. Mm-hmm. There's a chance you catch them resting all three of their dudes. There's a chance. They don't get that. Everyone they're playing is fighting for seeding. Even OKC is fighting for low seeding, if you want to get technical with me. <laughs> Everyone they're playing is fighting for seeding. They don't play any team that's locked up a spot or, or might be resting for no apparent reason. Even their game against the Clippers comes after the Clippers had two days off, and the mm. Clippers will have a day off after. Yeah. They're not catching much rest. In, I don't think these Pelicans are going to be catching any resting teams. So I don't imagine we see the Pelicans in the playing, barring something wild, which, by the way, totally possible. The Wizards literally just went on an eight-game winning streak. <laughs> totally possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Portland Trailblazers completely fell apart. Totally possible. And yeah. It, yeah. I'll, I mean, you talked about the Nuggets. I just wanted to say they they are pretty far ahead right now at the four seed. They don't look like they're really catchable by any means unless they go on a major slide, which I don't really think Nikola Jokic-led team is going to do right now, oh, yeah. regardless of everyone else on the floor. No, I figure there's no way the Nuggets fall into the play-in. They're, they're, they're right now seven games up on the yeah. uh, 12th seeded Trailblazers, and like what, there's like 12 games left in the season? Yeah, 12, It would 13. take a monumental collapse mm-hmm. for uh, something to go wrong. And the same thing for the same Pelican. thing for the Pelicans the other way, to be honest with you. They're like four and a half back right now in the 10th seed. And for them, with the schedule they have left and with what the other guys are playing, they're going to have the toughest time. It, they're not making a play-in game right now. It's, it's what it is. I think they're pretty much mathematically not eliminated, but with their strength, the schedule, and everything taken into account, they're they're not making this play-in game this year. And, I mean, maybe we can speak on it again for a second when we talk about the Spurs, but I don't really want to. So I'll just say it mm-hmm. now. The Spurs have an incredibly – the Spurs have the hardest strength of schedule I have ever seen for the rest <laughs> of the season. That That is it, – it's ridiculous. We'll talk about it more later. But I still don't see the Spurs losing mm-hmm. what? I guess it would be – they've got 13 games. They'd have to go 5-8 and eight while, the Denver, while the New Orleans Pelicans go 9-3 and three to catch up, something like that. Yeah, I I don't see that. I I I don't know. That's Mm -mm. that 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 just seems unlikely with what we've seen from the Pelicans. Mm -hmm. Can we have this discussion about John Morant making the play in with without his second best player and Zion can't when he has his second best player? Can we have a discussion that maybe John Morant's way better than we're thinking? I I don't want this to be like a whole story or anything. I don't. I'm not even saying this to detract from Zion. I just want to prop up John Morant a bit. I think he's so underrated. Mm-hmm. 
No, if we t- if we talk about guards in the league who've had one of the better seasons, John Morant's got to be top five, top ten guards this season. Just the way he's performed on a Grizzlies team that's been so up and down, so many injuries, guys in and out of the lineup. Himself, he's had a tough year. He went down, he came back, and he's been just as good. The jump shot hasn't been there all season, but he's been working through it and guess manages to affect the game in so many other ways. And I want to say for, for his sake, he's also had a team and a culture around him that guys are working a lot harder than what I see Stan Van Gundy implementing in the New Orleans Pelicans organization right now. And as much as they have a lot of good guys on that team, they don't seem they don't play with the same heart that I see the Memphis Grizzlies running with. And ultimately, I think that's what John Morant is fueling in that team right now. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll have a talk about that more in the offseason, I think, about what makes mm-hmm. a player better. But in the end of the day, for me, winning is huge. And John Morant... Yeah wins John Moran mm-hmm. has been in the league for two years he's not even 22 he wins mm-hmm. it's enough for me all right now we're done with our disqualifications and a little bit of love for John Morant let's talk about Dallas the Mavericks have taken the sixth seed I, I know we didn't we, we made it sound like it probably wouldn't happen the Mavs have taken the sixth seed will mm-hmm. the Mavs complain about the play-in game again probably not <laughs> After beating the Lakers twice, they have that tiebreaker now, and they might be able to even get the five seed. The rest of their schedule is an absolute cakewalk. The only at-large team they play the rest of the way is the Nets, who half the time don't have half their roster. Tankathon says they have the second easiest strength of schedule remaining. Hmm. I It's realistic to say they can get the five seed. It's absolutely realistic. Yeah, I think a lot of the this Mavericks team, too, has come together. A lot of pieces are starting to play a lot better. Dorian Faye-Smith has been absolutely out, out, absolutely amazing for the Dallas Mavericks the past couple of weeks, being a knockdown shooter from the corners, playing great defense, switching all over the place, and gobbling up a lot of rebounds for that team. Def, definitely. I mean, I mean, Luka's just been, Luka's just been money. He's, he's mm. so good. Someone else is going to tell me that he's more deserving of the MVP than LeBron James next week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the more interesting question is, do they win a series this year? And I think the more, even more interesting question is, do they want to be the five seed? Mm. This is, this is where I'm going to get hot. I'm going to get hot right now. I think Luca is, might legitimately be the fifth best player in the NBA right now. After the, after the big four, LeBron, mm-hmm. Steph, KD, Nikola Jokic, those are the easy top four. Luca's right there fighting for number five. Luca, Kawhi, Joel, mm-hmm. James Harden, Jimmy Butler. They're all in that top ten range. I think Luca might have played himself Luca might be playing himself into that five. And obviously those guys the, the difference between those guys is made in the playoffs. Luca showed that he's got something in the playoffs. We're gonna see what he has left. You know, if he's got more not left, but mm-hmm. we're gonna see what, what the rest of his bag playoff bag is. But there's a, a chance that he is legitimately the best in a, in a game as the sixth seed. They would either be playing the Clippers or the Suns. Mm-hmm. The Suns are 42 and 18. The Clippers are 43 and 19. I don't know who is going to get the three seed. Mm-hmm. But in either matchup, there's a chance that Luka Doncic is the best player on the floor. And if last year's Clippers series is indicative of anything, and you know you can argue the bubble, the this or that, he was the best player on the floor last year for the last year period in that matchup against the Clippers. 
Mm-hmm. He was the only good player on that on that clip on that on that Maverick squad, and they they kept it to, they took them to six. I mm-hmm. think there's no argument that he wasn't the best player on the floor in that matchup. So do you want to get the five seed and play Nikola Jokic, who is better than you? Hmm. You're no longer the best player on the floor. Michael Porter Jr. is the second best player on the floor. Is Aaron Gordon the third best player on the floor? Maybe. Is Kristaps Sporzingis going to be healthy? I don't know. I mean, for for this Mavericks team, obviously Luka Doncic is someone that's the, the sky's the limit for this kid. He's one of the most elite talents we've seen as a young guy coming into the league in a long, long time. And I don't know if they they want that rematch with the Clippers as much as you might think, just because, yes, they were able to, to beat them last year in the bubble and things like that happened. But I think this Clippers team is coming back with so much fire this year and so much more fuel that giving them that rematch, I think, is an easy start for something. It's like, okay, we know what happened last year to this exact team. We cannot lose this series. Like the, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard could not show their faces in the NBA if they were to lose another first-round matchup to Luka Doncic. Like, it would be a disaster for the Clippers. Another? So. Just lose. Mm-hmm. And so for them, I think the Denver Nuggets, honestly, because I don't know who's going to guard Luka Doncic on the Denver Nuggets team the way that they're they're losing guys right now. Will Barton? If Aaron Gordon wants to stay in front of him, it's going to be more than enough of a challenge because he's... He's a laterally quick player, but Luka Doncic is just so crafty. Aaron Garden doesn't guard guards like that. Hey, to be fair, to be fair, anyone trying to guard Luka Doncic is in for a nightmare. But I do mm-hmm. think Aaron Gordon is one of the better matchups for Luka Doncic in the league, honestly. I, I tell you we, what. I'd I mean, we could sit there and make a list of best guys that can guard Luka Doncic. And um, how about this? The, the first name is no one is actually that good at it. <laughs> no, I mean... It's true, he's he's an unstoppable force, but I'd rather have Kawhi Leonard or Paul George try to slow him down than Aaron Gordon. And Nikola Jokic, I mean, you talk about other big men who give him trouble. Kristaps Porzingis is a lot of length. He makes him step outside on the perimeter. It's it's a lot of work for Jokic on both ends of the floor to get buckets against a guy like that, especially when you're throwing Maxi Kleber and Dwight Powell at him afterwards, too, who like to play up in the air. And they're not afraid to take a few fouls down in Dallas. I, I like to pretend that there's never teams tanking for seeding in the NBA. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to pretend that that happens because I'm just a believer that you take what the basketball gods give you, and as long as you know you treat the basketball gods right, they'll treat you right. Mm-hmm. So I hope that you know. I don't think they're going to fix to lose games. I don't think so. But I don't know. Maybe if Phoenix falls to falls to three, maybe you're more comfortable there. Maybe if Utah really collapses without Donovan Mitchell, you're more comfortable there. Especially mm-hmm. because Kristaps Porzingis is the kind of big that messes with Rudy Gobert, but that also I I also don't think teams tank. I, I mean I, they do obviously, but I like to, I like to pretend they don't. I don't want to talk about that. I feel like it's a it's a bad line of thinking, tanking mm-hmm. for your seed. So moving on from the from Dallas, unless you got something else to throw in there. No, keep moving. The Timberwolves, the Trailblazers. <laughs> Definitely not the Timberwolves in the play-in segment. Hey, the Timberwolves are doing their best. <laughs> They're doing their absolute best. Doing their best to give the Warriors their pick this year. <laughs> um, the Timberwolves dropped a pair of ugly ones to the Memphis Grizzlies. They play Memphis again Wednesday, again Wednesday on the second game of a back-to-back, a Sega Baba, the best acronym of all time. Then they play Brooklyn, Boston, Atlanta, Cleveland, Lakers, Spurs, Houston, 
Utah Suns and finish their season against Denver. Mm. That is going to be so tough. Oh my goodness. How do you? Wow. There's a lot of games in that stretch that are like losable and you go, well, we were playing Brooklyn. Well, Mm. we played Utah. Well, we played the Suns. Well, we played the Lakers with LeBron James back. There's a lot of games that just are losable that you just go, well, and then to add to it, there's only one game that you look at and you're like, that should be a very winnable game where we should be up 20 the entire time. Like everything else is going to be a battle, even no matter how hurt like Denver is or, mm-hmm. or like how down bad the Spurs are only at 0.500. Like <laughs> no matter what you say with that, like, I mean, the, the, they're not easily winnable games. They're going to be a battle. Mm-hmm. Every night in the NBA is going to be a battle. Although that Houston Rockets game and even that Cleveland Cavaliers game, depending on if Colin Sexton comes back off his most recent injury or what they do with him, could be a, a very winnable matchup. But it's true that the Trailblazers have hit a bit of a skid right now. And I mean, with so many big games coming up, they're going to have to go on a big win streak when they go on this East Coast trip or else they're really looking to fall in this play-in seating. I think one of the more interesting parts about the play-in is finishing that 7, 8, 9, 10 really, really matters because seven or eight you might just have to play one you play one game you win you're in but nine or ten you got to play two no matter what after you win and so i'm just the ability for portland right now to not be able to hold on to that seven seed because they're sitting only a game up on the spurs and the warriors pretty much right now a game and a half up on the 10th seed with so many tough matchups ahead of them they're they're really looking at a potential slide all the way down to eight nine ten and don't get me wrong damian lillard is the last person i want to see in a one game matchup but with the way that their front court has looked it's they're not able to really guard anyone in the paint and um, Robert Covington and Yusuf Nurkic together is just not the answer and then Ennis Cantor coming off the bench provides you very little inside defensive presence and it's they're guys that just don't fit on the floor together individually they all work but all there there's never a two that can work together I really think they just need I mean I really think they just need to lean into the Derrick Jones Jr. Robert Covington front court. I think that was the mm. of all the looks that I've watched them roll out, that was the one that looked the best for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when you lean into no- Norman Powell. At that point, you need to just be like, we are going to run, we are going to shoot, we are going to get mm-hmm. up and down. Derrick Jones Jr. will be running up and down as a lob threat and a straight line drive threat and just a jumping through everybody threat and a locking up on defense guy. Mm-hmm. When you bring out like Nurkic. I honestly even feel like they play better with Cantor. Um, when you bring out Nurkic, it's a slow. You're slowing the game down. He can't get up and down fast enough. Cantor, mm-hmm. Cantor is getting up and down, and he grabs 20 offensive rebounds. He, pretty much every eight games, <laughs> he'll mm-hmm. have a 20 rebound game every like eighth game. Mm-hmm. You you live with that. Like it, it, you're like yeah. okay, he can't get up and down, but he just got us 20 boards. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like he he might give up buckets on the other end, but he's generating us so many offensive chances that we can live with this. He's getting us the points back on the other mm-hmm. side right now. Especially when you're not closing the game with him, when you know you've got Derrick Jones Jr. Or mm-hmm. if you want to run, I like Rondé Hollis Jefferson. I I do. I don't think they're using him very well, but I like him. Mm-hmm. Um, I like him if they leaned into the Derrick Jones Jr. Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Robert Covington trio as their front court. Mm-hmm. Not not all three at once, obviously, but as those being the three centerpieces of their front court, I think that would be great. 
but yeah. they don't. <laughs> and uh, one thing I I think I underrated or I didn't really notice about the Norm Powell deal is how much it kind of affects what Melo is able to do for them. Just because now with so many scores at the guard position and with Portland's philosophy being so much guard dominated scoring and bigs just kind of you get rebounds, you pick a roll, and you create off of what the guards do. I think Melo's role has become very limited for them because, like, without it fouling out or really any lapses, like, CJ, Dame, and Norm Powell all have to be on the floor together. And with such defensive lapses between the three of them, you can't really afford to have Melo out there. And it's just sad to see him not be able to get as many minutes because he, he is having a really good year. And I do think he can be a big factor for them, but it's hard to justify writing all four of those guys out at one time. Like with only with Robert Covington could it work, and even then you're still risking. Like we're we just got to put up a lot of shots and make a lot of shots right now, and I don't know if Terry Stotts is about it. I, I guess that leads right to the next question. Terry Stotts is a good coach. Let's start with that. Let's say that first. Mm-hmm. He he has proven he is a good coach. He has proven he is not a bad coach. He's proven it. Mm-hmm. I think this marriage, this is a marriage that's looking like it's over. Assuming that the Blazers, we we talked about, oh, they could win out and take a high seed. Their schedule is not one that they can win out. Their schedule is not one that they can win out. (laughs) If they can go like, I guess, eight and four, that would probably get them the, the sixth seed. They'd be 40 and 32, and the Lakers would have to win five games left five of 12 I, I i guess if lebron comes back if they're if they go eight and four they can take the six seed pretty they could take the six seed i don't know that they can take dallas is up a game and a half obviously like yes a cold streak from dallas could put them in but i don't see dallas going on a cold streak if we're going to be mm-hmm. honest yeah um i imagine they're just going to keep winning and winning and winning and winning the i don't know how portland gets into an at-large seed I think this is a marriage that needs to be over. Hmm. You know, both, all, you know, it's like it's like a, it, it, you know, both, both, both are good people, but they've just you grown tried. apart as a yeah. as a loving, loving marriage. You know, now he's going out late. He's staying late at work all the time. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not, I'm not Colin Cowherd. I can't do the divorce imagery. I, I, but my parents are still <laughs> together, and I love them. I, 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 I think Colin loves his parents. I'm not. We're not getting into this. I imagine Terry Stotts gets picked up really, really fast once mm-hmm. they, uh, the once the 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 end has come. I don't think he's a bad coach. I don't think anyone thinks he's a bad coach. But sometimes you just need a fresh start. Yep. I think that's what Stotts and the Trailblazers needs, especially if this team is just a play-in team or, or worse, if they don't win their play-in games and they're in the lottery. This Terry Stotts is a good coach. Plenty of teams would jump right on him. I was like, maybe we could get a, a we could send him to Milwaukee and send Bud back to uh, Bud to Portland. Hey, but sometimes when you're just in the same place too long, you fall into old habits. You start trusting guys. You're like, oh, I know I can trust them. I know I can trust. But but mm-hmm. the game isn't played like that anymore. Yeah, the game isn't played like that anymore. The the one time they made the conference finals, they got lucky in that they got to play Nikola Jokic, which makes. <laughs> playing extra big not an issue mm-hmm. go extra big with with Nurkic against Jokic a lot of lot of a lot of Eastern European names coming up man <laughs> a lot of itches um mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah Nurkic going against Jokic Nurkic isn't going to get played off the floor especially when it was old Jokic who hadn't lost all the weight hadn't gained all that speed hadn't hit mm-hmm. this new next level where I think 
I think you would just embarrass Nurkic now in a one-on-one matchup like that. Yeah. Especially as Nurkic has slowed down, Nurkic has gotten a little banged up. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, uh, I, mean, I, you know, I, I, I think that sometimes you just need a new marriage to find, you know, get new players to break out of old habits to find new healthy lifestyles like a hybrid post. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we talk about it all the time for players and just in general. Sometimes you need a change of pace, a change of scenery. It's always better to get fresh minds in the room and have a new viewpoint and. This Blazers team is its only so many things you can throw at the wall that don't stick, and we just got to try something new. Maybe it's time to get a new thrower because it hasn't worked, and it doesn't seem to work. And Damian Lillard has been a fantastic NBA player for his entire career, and at this point is looking more and more like one of those guys who's never going to win a ring. And maybe we get him a coach that's a little bit more experienced at trying to win, has been through it, and someone else who can take the reins and give a new identity to this Portland team like they don't have to change a lot but if they can just tweak a few things make a few adjustments and make a few signings they they have the pieces to go on a deep run they got serious talent but like you mentioned the hybrid post is something they've been lacking for years and they still don't have and they're not going to be competitive without one PJ Tucker was on the market PJ Tucker was sold for almost nothing Mm. you could have lost you could have traded Zach Collins you could have traded Yusuf Nurkic you could have traded I'm not going to go through all their contracts, but they could have made a trade. They could have made the trade to get him. It, it was, it was, there was mm-hmm. definitely a market to go get him and an availability. And I, I think we should have this discussion again really quickly. What's wrong with the Blazers? The Blazers need a hybrid post. The Blazers mm-hmm. can't close games with Yusuf Nurkic. The Blazers gave up a better player for, for Norman Powell. If you're going to close the game with three guards, you need to close it with your switchy front court guys. So you can switch everything and take advantage of space. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to play with your two small guards, you can't play a big anymore. It just doesn't work. You can't play a really big big anymore. It doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also found that Nurkic has gotten really overrated since right before the NBA bubble. Just something I had written down. Nurkic is good, but he's not like a playoff player. His style of player isn't designed for the modern NBA. Mm-hmm. I don't know why everyone's acting like he's like one of the best centers in the league and like game-changing, and everyone's like, Oh, when he comes back, when he came back, it, it, Portland fell apart. <laughs> and I yeah. love Nurkic. I've loved Nurkic since he was a rookie. Mm-hmm. But I, I wouldn't take. I would take Jonas Valanciunas in a heartbeat out of him. I, I had that written in my notes later. Honestly, I had that written <laughs> in my notes later. <laughs> I, I just no. Like he's just not. Mm-hmm. He's not. His brand of defense is helpful, obviously, but but he's not like some high-level player. Jaron Jackson Jr. completely mm-hmm. abused him in their matchup and was big and strong enough to guard him, which we're going to talk about later. Oh, I love that. Big time. I don't know. That, it, bad news. Bad news bears have come to Portland. Yeah, it's going to take a, a magical run from Dame to, to really do something and a lot of jump shooting and a lot of shot making by this entire team. I'm going to gonna need to see some 50-50-100 Tony Snell gangs out here for for the Portland Trail Blazers to put together something at the end of the season. And uh, speaking of bears, <laughs> speaking of bad news bears, the Grizzlies are coming to give the Portland Trail Blazers even more bad news. The Memphis Grizzlies have the third easiest strength of schedule remaining. Mm-hmm. They got Jaron Jackson Jr. back. I feel comfortable with them staying at the 8. What if they could take the 7? They're a half game back on Portland. They've mm-hmm. already taken the tiebreaker by winning twice out of 3. They play them again on Wednesday for the third out of the 3. 
What if the Grizzlies can get the seven seed? They don't. They have three games against at-large playoff teams. The first is literally right now against the Nuggets, and the second mm-hmm. is going to be against either Portland or Dallas, and the last one is against the Knicks. They also have a game against the Warriors and a game against the Raptors. Everyone else they play is effectively out of the playoff race. I'll say right now, if Portland doesn't get it together, like like now, like n- now, mm-hmm. we're going a crazy run, like eight straight. I think Memphis takes the seven seed. Yeah, I mean the way the Memphis Grizzlies have been playing now, with a lot of their guys coming back healthy, a lot of guys really stepping into their role and learning how to play together a lot better. I think it's been it's been beautiful to see even some guys who are a little bit more unsung in Memphis, like a guy like Kyle Anderson. I think has really helped a lot of guys fit into where they have been on this roster. And even though he individually might not be putting up the numbers that he would want to, I think his presence on the floor has been really steadying for a lot of guys. Obviously, Dylan Brooks is is a fan favorite if you follow John's Instagram account. He's cool. one of the, <laughs> he is one of the greatest and a Canadian to boot, D- so you know we had to... Dylan, Dylan Brooks is your favorite player's favorite player. He also has the best nickname in the NBA. Dylan Chad, just Chad Dylan Brooks. His nickname doesn't go in the middle of the names. It, his name it goes before. It's like Mister. No, no. His name is Chad Dylan Brooks. He is the best defender in the NBA. At, you will guard anyone in the entire league, and then you will go get buckets. Mm-hmm. He, this this dude is oh man. The way he he he's like oh yeah, I'll guard Damian Lillard and I'll go get eighteen. And I mean it took him like sixteen shots, but he still did it. He still would have got eighteen. He's he's locking up on defense. He's pretty much guarding the hardest player, the, the best player on the te- opponent's team every single night, Lou Dort style. Mm-hmm. I, I I love it. I, I, I love him. And Grayson Allen is becoming an NBA player. He's like J.J. Yeah. Redick, but with a higher ceiling. But he's admittedly not at J.J. Redick level yet. You know, he's still got to work a little bit. But he's really good. Xavier mm-hmm. Tillman was the steal of the draft. He's he's a mid-level starting center right now. Like, you could tell me he's – you could tell me, like, equivalent players, he's better than any center on the Lakers. He's better yeah, than any center on. He's better than any center on the Clippers. Yep. You think you think Xavier yep. Tillman's better than Serge Ibaka right yep. now? Yep. Uh, I, I might be a little crazy right now. I might be a little excited. I might be a little excited. I'll own that. But Xavier Tillman has been going off. The X Factor has been going off. X going give it to you. Steal of the draft. Hmm. Absolutely balling. Jonas Valanciunas and slow-mo Kyle Anderson are both having career years, and they both had good, great careers. That means a lot. Mm-hmm. Anthony Melton is also having a career year, and I cannot believe he didn't get paid more this offseason. I said it. I said it during the offseason. Did I not? Did I not say yeah. it during the offseason? I cannot believe the Bucks didn't fight tooth and nail to get him after blowing the Bogdanovich acquisition. Hmm. Do I, everyone on this roster, this roster is so good. Desmond Bain isn't playing, and he's shooting 40% from three, and he's not a bad defender. Mm-hmm. What? What? <laughs> Tyus Jones is just on their bench. Justice Winslow is the only guy on their team that isn't playing out. Is that is not playing like really good? Mm. He's just playing all right. So he everyone thinks he sucks. He's playing all right. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you he's great. He's playing all right. Mm. I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I do. I need to say anything about John Moran or Jaron Jackson Jr. Do you want to talk about the the role player guys before I go on my rant about how they're superstars? Or uh... 
I mean, I do want to say Desmond Bain has been one of those guys from the draft as well, who we talked about going into the draft as a guy who was going to fall and some team was going to be great, lucky to have them. And the Memphis Grizzlies got themselves a great steal with him as well. He's an absolute torch of a shooter and he can stay in front of you defensively. Grayson Allen against my best heart, my heart's best wishes has actually become a good NBA player. And honestly, I still think I could. Can you say that in one sentence? I still think I can beat Grayson Allen one on one. Is the oh. sentence I think John was referring to, but um, <laughs> no, I think this Memphis Grizzlies team has really obviously put it together. There's there's nothing you could say that hasn't already been said about Demetrius at the point guard, an absolute. You you stud love of calling him Demetrius so much. <laughs> it's his name, bro. <laughs> yeah, I do. It's 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 a good name, Demetrius. It's a really man. good name. The guy the guy's name is Demetrius, and he goes by Ja. How do you have two names that are cooler than mine? <laughs> <laughs> Although but, I do John, love being John, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but even John Morant, like all over Instagram the other night to drop it, Nazir Little falling down in transition and the fake pass to get Norman Powell for a wide open three. I mean, he's playing with people this season way more than he should be able to in his second year. He's an unbelievable talent this kid has. He's bright, bright future and so much more to be said about the, the big fella himself. I know you got a lot to say about uh, a young Anthony Davis over there. Uh, my my boy Jaron Jackson Jr. Dude, young Anthony Davis, he's he's playing the five now. He's mm. I mentioned it earlier. He was bodying Yusuf Nurkic. Yusuf Nurkic is like the third biggest center like the third <laughs> I guess he's fourth overall. Like the mm-hmm. third most dominant post center in the West. Fourth mm-hmm. most dominant overall. I only did my list in the West. And the second most dominant is Jonas Valanciunas, who Jaron gets to match up with every day. And the most dominant is about to win MVP. Mm. Jokic. Don't get it, don't, don't get it twisted. Um, Jaron, I, I don't think anyone realizes how big this is. If he can actually play the five, the Grizz are going to be in. You're not beating them. I mean, like, you'll beat them for the next year or two. You know, mm-hmm. then Ja and Jaron will be 23 years old. Yeah. And, and then you won't be able to beat them, you know, when they're actual adults and not supposed to be in college passing out at frat parties every weekend. <laughs> Jaron can guard bigs, smalls, guards, wings, anybody at the same time. It, it, it's why the hybrid post is so dangerous. And it's what, what Jaron Jackson is doing. It, it, if the Grizzlies are winning playoff games in the next few years, it'll be because Jaron Jackson Jr. is this amazing and is this good at literally everything. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. On offense, on offense, he's like, yeah, I'll take you off the dribble. I'll spot up. I shot over 40% from three on like seven attempts a game last season. Mm. It was only the second best three-point shooting season by someone over six foot ten of all time. It's fine. Oh, let me come back and be able to play the five on defense. Mm. Carl Anthony Towns, eat your heart out. Dude. I mean, Darren this man Jaron is just so good, and, and so mm-hmm. good, and the fit yeah, next to Ja is insane. Mm-hmm. And even next to Jonas Valanciunas, like it, it's too, a big man who you wouldn't necessarily expect to be able to play both on the floor together. It works. Even him at the five with Brandon Clark at the floor, it works. This Memphis Grizzlies has so many options within within the rotations of so many depth players that are so good that it's gonna be. I almost don't envy the job of the Grizzlies head coach right now because it's just who do you play in the playoffs because you look down your bench and you're like damn everyone can give me good minutes right now 
but and it's going to be a tough situation for them. But I know that they got a real shot at the seventh seed, being only a half game back of the Blazers right now, and they got a pretty easy schedule for the rest of the season. So they're going to be really gunning. And if anyone's going to push for that sixth seed, if anyone starts skidding, it's going to be the Memphis Grizzlies because they're going to be up there really pushing the pace towards the Lakers and the Mavericks and the Nuggets, but not I, really I, the Nuggets. I am so excited to see what the what what they can do. Mm-hmm. They can do in a playing game with Jaron. They almost won without mm-hmm. him last year. Jaw had what forty something insane like that last year. Yeah, his career high or something. Something it's insane. It's great to watch. Jaron's gonna be back. I don't have them losing. I don't have the J- John Morant is a superstar in the making. I know his shot is not always there. Mm-hmm. It's clutch. It's there when it needs to be. It's there when it needs to be. Mm-hmm. It's like Luka Doncic's shot. It's there when it needs to be. Obviously, like he's still not on that level yet, but uh, he is a lot younger than Luka. Mm. I, I, John Moran is one of the best young guards in the league. I'll take him over De'Aaron De- De- Fox at mm-hmm. ESPN Top 25. I'll take him over De'Aaron. I, 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 don't, I didn't realize that was a discussion. I, I didn't realize that was a discussion that we were having if I would take John Morant or De'Aaron Fox, I mean, I, I didn't realize that was a discussion that we needed to have. I, I didn't he, realize that there was anything that De'Aaron Fox does that John Morant isn't just as good at or better. Defense. Defensively, De'Aaron defense. Fox has got. Jaw is not a guard, not not garbage on defense though. He's not great. He ain't bad. He's not that good. But <laughs> offensively, he's insane. Defensively, he's good enough. Mm-hmm. I love my man Jaw. I would take him over almost any young guard except for Shea Gilgis Alexander. And even then I'd sit there with a pen and paper and have a debate. I would really have to be right. If you told me I could start a franchise with one of the two of them, I would be at my computer, like hitting my head, trying to figure out who to take. Hmm. And, and while you just mentioned Shea, let me just briefly say this. Can we talk about how amazing a Team Canada 5 could be of Shea, Dylan Brooks, RJ Barrett, Lou Dort, and Chris Boucher? Switch everything. Switch, Switch shoot, everything. clamp. For the international game, it would be maybe the most amazing thing I've ever seen. J- Jamal Murray. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and Jamal Murray is somehow on your bench. Well, I mean, be a he's torch. injured right now. He's injured right yeah. now, and the game is this summer, so it's fine. We'll deal with that. We'll deal with that issue when we have to. But man, mm-hmm. and Nick Nurse is the coach too, so you know he's going to do something right. That's the best coach in the league, right there. That's one of the best coaches in the league, right there. I mm-hmm. know he's doing something right. Yeah. Uh, Golden State, Chaz, would you like to do the honors? I mean, you you know me, I've been watching every Warriors game, and I find the Warriors to be in maybe one of the most interesting spots in the NBA right now, sitting at that 10th seed, but tied with the Spurs in win percentage for the 9th, and only a game back from the 8th seed, and one win behind the 7th seed at Trailblazers. There's there's so much room for movement within this play-in that we've talked about. The Warriors are going to be one of those teams, I think, that's going to about to skyrocket upwards. And for anyone who hasn't been watching, the Warriors have been on a tear recently, winning eight of their last 11 games. And I feel sorry for anyone who hasn't gotten a chance to see this magical run by the two-time MVP, maybe soon to be three-time MVP, Wardell Stephen Curry. You, you don't think he, he can make it? If, if they make it to the sixth seed, you don't think Steph got it? <laughs> how are last... they making it to the sixth seed? <laughs> how? Tell me uh, how. Don't make me have to come out here and be the bad guy. I love, I love me some mm-hmm. Steph Curry. 
But I'll say this. Curry, I want you to know I wrote these notes before I even knew what you were going to say. I know you that mm-hmm. well. No, Curry isn't the MVP. His team isn't in the freaking playoffs. Stop putting him ahead of LeBron on your MVP ballots. They're, they're the they're the ten seed right. Wait, no, that's definitely old standings right now. They're, they're, oh, the, they're still the ten seed right now. They're the ten seed. Thank you. They're the ten seed. Mm-hmm. They're, yeah, they're, they're the ten seed. Case Only in point. Right now. Stop putting him ahead of LeBron on your MVP ballots. You will regret it if they don't win both of their play-in games. You will regret having your MVP be in the lottery. Yes. No, Second, <laughs> Curry is having an MVP-level season, and if his team was just the fourth seed, I would be giving it to him. Mm-hmm. That's. I'll put it out there. Winning oh, is a big part of the MVP for me. I don't know why people pretend that it doesn't have to be. Winning is a huge part of the MVP for me. Because that proves your value. If they were just a four seed, I think I would be arguing for him to be MVP. Mm-hmm. But they're dog across- water, so he's not. <laughs> well, across these last 11, they haven't been that bad. Especially Steph Curry, who's been averaging 38 and a half, shooting 53 from the field and 49 from three on 14 and a half attempts a game. He's averaging seven made threes a night for the last three weeks of the NBA season. If you haven't been tuning in to watch the the live rain, I don't know where else you've been getting your your rainforest from because we've been stuck inside here in Montreal. The only vacation destination I get to see is Steph Curry raining down on every NBA team across the league. (laughs) And he hasn't obviously been doing it by himself. Maybe one of the most unsung heroes across the league. Maybe one of the greatest defenders of all time. Draymond Money Green has been an absolute force on both sides of the ball for the Warriors this year. He's been one of the best playmakers offensively and defensively, showing his value with his leadership and his amazing amazing knowledge of the game. Right now he sits third in the association in assists, tied with a guy you might have heard of. Some people call him a pretty good passer. He goes by the name of Luka Doncic. And... And he's still ranked ahead of a couple guys who, who are also sometimes given credit for their playmaking abilities. I mean, one of them's name's Chris Paul, and the other one's Nikola Jokic. So I think Draymond Green has been doing enough right now to prove that he is one of the best playmakers in the NBA. And across the last 11 games, I mean, he's averaging only 7 points, 8 boards, 10 assists, 2 steals, and a block. Like, there's not much more that you could ask for from someone on your team than Draymond Green right now. I feel like Draymond Green is what you'd get if you gave like, if you gave LeBron James like an average NBA player's body. <laughs> like, yeah, let me just be elite at rebounding and like finding all the open passes and like moving the ball and defense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't have the lift to shoot anymore, and I can't really get the lift to get layups. I mean, he's been uh, cutting to the basket well, but it's yeah, <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah. Look, the, the issue for Golden State is simple. They're, they're the 10 seed right now. They aren't good outside of Stephen Curry. I, I think he could win them one game. Mm. But let's be honest. It's one game, and that game would either be against Damian Lillard, Luka Doncic, or the duo of John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. Mm-hmm. And to add to that, that one game would most likely come after beating the Spurs. So it's actually two games. If the West wasn't so amazingly good, if, if he was in the Eastern Conference playoffs, I'd bet on Steph Curry to make the play-in. I'd bet on him to make the playoffs. But honestly, 
like he's he's going against either another MVP level player or against like a full squad that has two budding superstars that kind of fit well against him and Dre. John Morant I mean, on Steph Curry is obviously not what you want, but John Morant on Michael Mulder is fine. Jaron Jackson Jr. kind of kind of can do his thing. I I wouldn't be scared if they both go small and now you got oh Dre is guarding Dre was guarding Jaron at the four and now they're guarding each other at the five. Oh no. <laughs> no, I mean this this Warriors team obviously does suffer from a decent lack of depth. Andrew Wiggins is is definitely a guy who I think is going to be an can be an X factor for this team in the playoffs. I think if we talk about someone who's been highly touted, obviously a former number one overall pick. He's become a much improved defender. We talked about Dylan Brooks becoming a lockdown clamper. I didn't even mention Andrew Wiggins on my Canadian starting five. Another lockdown island perimeter defender now. People talking about Wiggins Island. It's a real thing. He'll just go call Bradley Beal if you don't believe that Wiggins can stop your favorite (laughs) player. Because he's able to guard anyone one through four. And yes, he might struggle with the quicker, smaller ones and the bigger, stronger fours. But his switchability and... Then offensively, this is a season that he's been asked to do the least since his rookie year, and his numbers have improved significantly. His shooting percentages are some of the best he's had in his career. And as a catch-and-shoot guy, he's been a fairly reliable three-point shooter. And if he can continue that in the playoffs and continue cutting with purpose, he can get himself up to 20, 25 points a game. I think just getting those extra touches that he's going to see, the extra minutes in the playoffs, I think he could be a huge factor for this Warriors team. He doesn't necessarily have a chance to be the best top five player on the floor. But if we talk about just guys through the lineup, Kelly Oubre, again, another wing player who can have a major impact on the game when he's hot. His catch and shoot hasn't been there this season. We all know Kelly Oubre missed every single shot for like the first month to start the season. But he's gotten much better throughout the year. And his numbers have flattened out to the point where he's cutting extremely well. He's catching lobs from Draymond every single game, backdoors, his touch passes. And he can lock in defensively. He's one of those guys who benefits a lot from having a crowd there. The fans are there. The Warriors have played two games in front of home fans, won both of them. The Chase Center's obviously a new arena for the Warriors. People are excited to fill it up. One of the best arenas ever in Oracle. So the fan support is going to be huge for them. I think this Warriors team could really make a run, man. I could see them going up to the six, like pushing to the seven, eight seed in the play-ins, honestly. Just because I think poor little skid. I don't know if San Antonio's really got it in him to push up there. But the Warriors, if we talk about strength of schedule, they got three games, four games against real teams left in the season. The Mavs, the Suns, the Grizzlies, and the Jazz. That Grizzlies game being the last one of their season, which will decide the tiebreaker between those two teams. And it'll be a, a tough matchup. But other than that, they see the Pelicans twice. They see the Pelicans three times, pardon me. They see the Timberwolves once, the Rockets once, the Thunder twice. There's a lot of winnable games down the stretch for this Warriors team. I can easily see them finishing almost at 40 wins this year. Yeah, Tank- Tankathon has them with the fifth easiest strength of strength of schedule. But I forgot to point it out, Dallas has the second easiest and Memphis has the third easiest. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Portland has the sixth hardest. So I could totally see a little slide right there. I, I don't I, I just I don't want to write them off. I don't want to write them off. I could totally see them making that push to eight. I don't see them making it all the way into the play playoffs like you might have suggested earlier. But hey, I, there's definitely a chance for a good run right here with these Warriors team. They're and they they got blessed with an easy ending. Mm. Kind of underrated. 
there's there's no more seasoned playoff team than this Warriors team in the play-ins right now. There's no one that has more playoff experience and more late game. There's no no one that no has many I'd finals game sevens. Play. There's no team that I wouldn't I would want to play less than this mm-hmm. Golden State than the Golden State Warriors, Stephen Curry, Draymond Green in the play-ins. Yeah. I'm gonna go against that, that combo that has three championships and four finals under their belt. Or is it five finals? It's five finals. Five. Five finals yeah. and three championships under their belt. You don't want that in your playing game. You don't want mm-hmm. that if you're the Memphis Grizzlies and you still haven't made the playoffs, which no shame. Your superstars aren't 22 yet. Mm-hmm. No shame. But, but if you're the, if you're the Portland Trailblazers and you're at the end of your team's window and you haven't made the finals, yes, shade. Mm-hmm. Um Here's one question I want to get into before we get off the Warriors and the Grizzlies. Just because for me, when I was writing my notes, I wrote my top 10 for every player in a play-in matchup. And just for the Grizzlies, because I know we're going to disagree on this, who who's the second best player in a Warriors-Grizzlies matchup on the floor? Well, so we're assuming that the best player is Dylan Brooks, right? It's Stephen Curry. It's Stephen Curry. I, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be real. One of the scary parts about playing the Memphis Grizzlies, one of the... I, Watching the Memphis Grizzlies, I texted you. I wasn't sure how I feel with them for the play-ins. Mm-hmm. One of the things that both gives me hope because there's two games, but also gives me pause. Mm. You don't know who the best player is going to be every night. You don't know who the second best player is going to be. Every- you, you know every night it's John Morant's team and it's John yeah. Morant that's running everything. But you don't know if it's going to be Dylan Brooks's night or Grayson Allen's night or if Desmond Bain's going to get off or if the Anthony Melton's going to go off or if Slow Mo Anderson's going to go off or if JV is going to have a 2020 or if Jaron mm-hmm. Jackson Jr. is going to be the guy down the stretch. You don't know. And it looks like they don't know either. <laughs> and I'm going to say it. They're a really young team. That they, they, they don't know. I don't think Taylor mm-hmm. Jenkins knows. I don't think Taylor Jenkins should know. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. I'm not coming out here in armchair coaching. Do not get me wrong, okay? Mm-hmm. I, I will armchair coach when I think someone's messing up. I don't know what Taylor Jenkins is supposed to do. When, mm-hmm. when, when, when no one on your team is like has made that official jump yet, they've all just taken that half-step jump, I don't know what you're supposed to do. I'm not, I'm not going to hate on them for that. I am not. Like... Mm. But yes, I would probably say Ja is the second, but is better than Draymond Green. Okay. I would say Draymond Green was the third best. Jaron Jackson Jr. is the fourth until he proves, unless that 23-point outing is the usual for him, hmm. at which point he might be the second best player in there. He is yeah. so good. He is so good. He is so good. He is so good. I, I, I want that matchup to happen. I, I'm going to be... for. for for so many years in my fandom, I got to watch the Spurs and the Heat matchup in the finals, and I, I didn't like it. And then I got to watch the Cavaliers in the finals, and, but when the Warriors made the finals, that was what made me happy because I finally had a team I, that I, I cheered for as a, you know, as, a, as a kid when I was younger and I was more into being a fan and less into I just love everybody who's made the league and all the hard work they put in. When I was younger, I was a lot more like a fan, you know? Yeah. The Warriors team was, oh, they brought me so much joy when they started making the playoffs. Hmm. Seeing them go against the Grizzlies, another team that I love, it would make me happy. I would enjoy Hmm. that matchup. Moving on to the team that I mentioned that I really did not like when I was that, when I was a teenager. (laughs) The San Antonio Spurs have become the unfortunate afterthought in what is an amazing play-in race. Hmm. Now, look, I I give Pop his work. 
our listeners know I give Pop his work. I probably don't give him his full due due, due credit. Pop, DeRozan, and those hungry young guys, I, I wouldn't count them out in a playoff game, in a playing game. Against Utah or the Suns, yes, they're getting swept. Yeah, they're they're done. But mm-hmm. but they're gonna be a lot of fun to watch in that nine ten game. And whoever whoever they play is gonna get the work. They're not gonna get be able to walk into the house and walk out like nothing happened. That's not yeah. on the table for them. They're gonna show up and they're gonna get worked. Mm. No, th- I mean this Spurs team is is a team that obviously is always gonna be well run and well organized. But they got a lot of talent on this roster just to stock about players. I mean it's gonna be for me. I, Watching a little bit of their Wizards game that went to OT, they won by three today, 146-143 in overtime in what looks like a crazy game. But I know Derek White went out. That's going to be a serious question for me for the Spurs down the stretch. But DeMar DeRozan is having an incredible year. Calvin Johnson has been a great rookie pickup for them. Lonnie Walker is having a good year. DeJounte Murray's finally gotten back healthy. So the Spurs team is going to give you a lot of work defensively. And every shot, I mean, a Spurs playing game, they they might not score more than eighty points, but they may not might not give up more than sixty. God, you, you, you say that on a you say that on a night where they scored one hundred and forty six and let in one hundred and forty three. <laughs> yeah, no hate though. You're not wrong. You're not wrong mm. on that point. And the, the I, I think that the Spurs are gonna slide. And I know mm. we wrote off the the Pelicans at the end of at the start of this. They're up 20 on the Clippers right now with eight minutes left in the fourth. <laughs> That's a I'm, classic Clippers. Yeah, they sat Kawhi Leonard, but they played Paul George and and everyone else, it seems. Oh, they mm. didn't play Serge Ibaka. And, of course, they didn't play Patrick Bear. Oh, they didn't play the GOAT Luke Kennard. Mm. They didn't stand a chance. If Luke Kennard's sitting there losing. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the Spurs have the hardest remaining schedule in the league by a lot. I, yeah. I have never I, I usually strength the schedules between like point four five and point five five. An outlier mm. team might be closer to point four three or point four seven. Like every team is usually between point three, point four seven, honestly. Mm-hmm. The Spurs opponent average winning percentage for the rest of the season mm. is point six. Sixty percent of wins. Yeah. That's insane. Mm-hmm. That that is insane mm-hmm. that's that's a 40 that's a 49 game winning pace in an 82 game season every and they're playing the wizards right now who are below 0.500 once that's over it's gonna go up every team they're playing is above 0.500 is above 0.500 i'm pretty sure i think they have one game against the sacramento yeah. kings they got one game against the kings the only other, yeah, that's what I have in my notes. The only other game below point five hundred they play is the Kings. Their average win win rate after this Washington Wizards game is going to be about a fifty win team every single game for yep. twelve straight games, mm-hmm. and they have that weird COVID ending schedule because mm-hmm. they uh, because they got games canceled, so they're gonna have they've got a fifteen they got twelve thirteen back to back and then fifteen sixteen back to back against the Suns. Mm-hmm. They're they. They they've got a, a a big struggle ahead of them at the end of the season. It's gonna really test the Spurs' strength and character. I mean, Jakob Pertl and Drew Eubanks are gonna have their hands full with that front court, even though they've been doing 
better than anticipated. I think they are going to have a tough time down the stretch. A lot of these teams. I mean, I have them written down in front of me because I I went down for my notes and wrote down competitive games for every team. Because for the Warriors, when I did it, it was just like four games, and I was like, okay, so this is going to be fun. And the Spurs, it's it's literally every game. I mean, I'm staring at me in the face that there's a Jazz back to back, a Suns back to back, the Sixers, the Bucks, the Nets. Like this is a lot of games that they're going to have to struggle with, and. I mean, DeMar DeRozan is going to need to be on another planet for them to win a lot of these games. It's going to be a tough end of the season. And to go into a play-in game after having this brutally, not only like condensed schedule, but extremely tough matchups, it's going to be tough for them to get into a one-game 9-10 must-win after having to play all these games. I mean, and the one thing that's in their favor is they're currently, I think they're 32-29 and 29 now. Mm-hmm. Or are they 31-29? and 29? Uh, I think it's 31. The 31 and 29. It's always hard to tell. 31. The Pelicans will be 27 and 34. Mm-hmm. The Pelicans will most likely not win out. You just have to you just have to win like four games. Mm-hmm. And you'll make the play-in. That's it. You just yeah. need to win four. And I'll tell you what. The Pelicans' schedule, as much as it's obviously easier, it's not by much. I mean, they're going to see the Nuggets... T- to back-to-back against the Warriors, then they have the Sixers later, the Grizzlies, the Lakers, the Mavericks. Like They've got them some games themselves that Brandon Ingram and Zion are really going to need to do a lot, so I don't really see the Pelicans posing a big threat to the Spurs right now. I just don't think they're going to be able to win enough games. they got a lot of tough matchups ahead of them. Mm, definitely. Uh, just to give the Spurs a little do- a little, a little love, I... Mm-hmm. They're, they're a good team. We're not, we're not trying to detract from them, but when... <laughs> When the rest of your schedule is this hard, yeah, it's it's not a knock on them. Mm-hmm. It's it's not it's not we're not knocking them. Yeah, we're just realizing this is gonna be really hard. It's gonna be it's gonna be a really hard end of schedule for them. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to win some really tough games. And realistically, right now the Spurs are looking at if a nine ten. If they're stuck in that game, it's gonna be either against Damian Lillard or Steph Curry, and. As much as I love what DeMar DeRozan has done this year, they don't have a player of that caliber on their team. Yep. And it's it's definitely going to be a hard matchup to have to guard MVP-level guys and two really high-scoring shooting teams. The Spurs don't necessarily do well against fast-paced rosters. Yeah, and especially because, I mean, for the Pel- for the Blazers, they can go big. Nurkic is bigger than Pirtle. <laughs> and then when you get to the... <laughs> I'm going to pause after that sentence for a second. Oh, that stinks. Poor, poor San Antonio. Um, and then for the Warriors, I mean, the Warriors are happy to play your big center off the floor with Draymond Green at the five. Mm-hmm. It's it's gonna be it's 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 gonna be an uphill battle for them to make the playoffs. But hey, they're the they're gonna they're the nine ten seed. They're not supposed to make the playoffs. Just, you know, it's still impressive they made it this far. And they're a really good team. Mm-hmm. And for the Warriors, there's some guys that I had forgotten to mention, or not necessarily forgotten to mention, but moved on from. Juan Toscano Anderson has carved himself a role on this he team. That's so good. He's <laughs> so good. It's not just about him being on the Warriors. People will say that about like Kyle Kuzma. Oh, he's on a big market. No, he is legitimately good. Mm-hmm. Juan Toscano Anderson is legit. So is Kyle Kuzma. But Juan Toscano yeah. Anderson is legitimately good. He is legitimately mm-hmm. a great NBA player and the kind of guy that you want on your franchise. He leaves everything on the floor. Yeah. He's... Don't don't tell anyone. I would trade. Taylor Horton Tucker for him right now. No, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. For one season, I would. 
I mean, it, it wouldn't necessarily be a bad idea. For one, he's an incredibly efficient player. He basically shoots almost 60% from the field and 42% from three right now. So he, he gets it done offensively. Not that he scores a lot, but just when the ball is in his hands and he needs to score, he does it pretty well. But it's really about, you, you mentioned it, his, his desire to go out there and compete and leave it all on the floor. I mean, he switches all over the place defensively. He flies after guys. He's not afraid to go get blocks. Go get a poster, go get postered, step in front of anyone charging the paint. He makes great cuts, great reads, has a beautiful touch passes out of pick and rolls. He's been quite the piece. And you talk about a guy who walked into the G League Santa Cruz Warriors team as an open tryout player and has now cemented himself like 20 minutes a night on the Golden State Warriors roster. That's, that's a dream right there come true. And you'd love to see a guy like that make it into the NBA. Yes, sir. 100%. And All there's right. there, so many other young guys, too, on this team. I won't go too long, but Jordan Poole, obviously, has been filling it up. Michael Mulder is a Canadian, so you know we got to mention how much of a torch he's got on him. He can just catch and shoot all day, an absolute menace on the roster. And, I mean, Damian Lee, Kent Bazemore haven't been playing for COVID protocols, but once those two are back on the roster, I think this Warriors team has got serious run in them, man, serious run. I wouldn't be surprised to see Steph Curry in the semifinals this year. I'll take a pause on that for a second. Pause to let that air that let that air out. Mm-hmm. So my prediction. Yeah. Denver four, Lakers mm-hmm. five, Dallas six, Grizzlies seven, Warriors eight, Portland nine, San Antonio ten. I have the same thing. Nice. I t- I'll tell you what, I mapped out my amount of wins. I have the Mavericks one win behind the Lakers, and most of that goes on the back of LeBron James coming back and coming back with uh, everyone just forgetting who I am. So I'm going to drop 40 and triple doubles on everyone's <laughs> head tops. <laughs> that <laughs> Which sounds I expect like what I exactly imagine will happen. So, uh... But that five seed is going to be very tightly contested. So is that seven. I think the Warriors are going to be right there with the Grizzlies. But... Uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I think it's going to go Grizzlies, Warriors, Blazers, and Spurs in the 7 through 10. Definitely. All right. That is all for today. To the listeners, please keep liking, subscribing, rating, reviewing, wherever you get our podcast. It really means a lot to us. It really helps us get our name out and all that. It's Thank really you for 50. To, it's a great way to show support to the podcast without you know showing monetary support or anything like that. It's just something little you can do that means a lot to us. It's free for you, and it means the world to us. Also, follow us on Instagram. Same same biz. Means the world to us. Doesn't really cost you anything. It's just nice for us. Follow us at Ball Talk Official. And until next time, thank you for tuning in to Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk, baby. 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 Baby.